you know what else I'm also down with? Freedom. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm down with freedom. Good, because you came to the right place, because we are called Freedom City Church, and we are also doing a, a series, finishing off a series called Keys to Freedom. We spoke about in the past, we spoke about how forgiveness is a key to freedom that unlocks your personal prison. We spoke about how judgments that uh, maybe are rooted in bitterness can actually cause you to be imprisoned, but when we release people, that judgment to God, that we can find freedom from that as well. Then we spoke about how your foundation in God, in Christ, and this, following the signposts of the Holy Spirit can actually help you avoid um, uh, uh, getting caught or trapped. And so it's about building a strong foundation for the rest of your life. And now, today, I'm going to speak about something that we will probably, we all are, have been, uh, we're not immune to it. And we probably all have some of this to some degree. I'm going to speak about overcoming fear. Turn to the person on your right or your left and say, you can overcome your fear. The other day, I went onto Facebook. And I saw people posting up photos of empty shopping aisles. I didn't know what was going on initially, but after a bit more browsing, I came to realize that people were buying up all the toilet paper in the shops. Who's had issues with toilet paper since the, this has broken out? Just makes an eye, all right. So, <laughs> thankfully our toilet's right next to our shower, so we just roll it. Anyway, it's a, yeah, it's a TMO, we can get that out of the podcast. But this thing of coronavirus, you know, it's, 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 it's a real thing. I don't want to downplay it. It is a real thing and people have lost their lives. But the fact that we're, we're now lacking toilet paper, in my, in my opinion, is a bit of an overreaction and is driven by fear. You know, media has put Australia in a panic mode and toilet paper has become the hottest property on the market. I saw some people charging $500 on Gumtree for a 24-pack of toilet paper. Uh, I, went, I, was, I just walked into IGA the other day to... I think I did, wasn't even there to get toilet paper. I was there to get something else. And I just walked down the corner and the guy was stuck, uh, stocking toilet paper. I was like, oh, sweet. So I just grabbed three packs of four. So I'm only allowed 12. And they cost twice as much as I usually pay them. So we're in this place where um, <laughs> there is fear. And the, the Greek word for fear is called phobos. You know, like a phobia? Phobos. Say phobos. It means panic, flight, fear, the causing of fear or terror. You know, there's no other explanation that toilet paper could cause mass hysteria to the point that in Sydney, a man pulled a knife on another shopper over a pack of toilet paper than fear. Did you read that? A man pulled a knife on another shopper because he didn't want to go without his toilet paper. This situation is purely driven by fear. It is rooted and fueled by fear. 
But my question for you then is, outside of having no toilet paper, do you have a fear? Do you have something that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole? Maybe something when you think about it, your body almost reacts impulsively. You feel it here. Something that triggers you. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. I want you to be as honest as possible. Don't tell me what it is. But if you have a fear or have had had a fear, in, in the next 10 seconds, I want you to pop your hand up in the air and say, yes, that's me. So hands up. We have all had a fear. No one is immune. No one is exempt from fear. So how do we deal with it? Yeah, it might be dogs getting bitten by a dog, maybe sharks or flying, but we've all had some fear in our life that controls us. Do you know, fear makes you feel like you've lost control. Makes you feel like you've lost control. Honest truth, I really don't like losing control. I don't know about you, but control for me makes me feel kind of normal. But when we have fear, what happens is we actually start to feel as though we're losing control of maybe how, what we will receive or what will be taken from us. You know, I remember when I was younger, um, once a week or maybe once a fortnight, my parents would say, hey, you can have takeout tonight. I'm like, sweet, yes, takeout. So we'll go to the classic, which is Domino's. Domino's, when they didn't cost an arm and a leg to have a pizza delivered. That's $15 for a pizza delivered now. I remember when it was $3.95 delivered. Anyway, first world problems. You know, but um, it was a special treat, getting Domino's. And, but back in the day, I'm older than you think. Back in the day, there wasn't the luxury of ordering online. How terrible. We couldn't void all human contact. But we had to call up on the phone. Hello, this is Domino's. And order your pizza. Can I take 20 pizzas, please? At $3.95. It's a pretty straightforward thing to do, right? Who's, uh, who's a caller or who's a texter? Who's a caller? Who's a texter? Yeah, sometimes what it is is there's this thing where we, we feel like uh, I can, uh, if, I, if I'm on the phone to someone, I, I'm straight up. Like I can't really, I can lose control in this moment. And I remember my brother and I, we would, and my sister and I, we would draw straws to see who had to call up Domino's. Not get to, had to call up Domino's. Had to call up Domino's to, to, uh, to make the order. None of us wanted to do it. We fought to the death to not have to call up the mean old pizza man. Personally, I didn't want to just because I didn't want to. (laughs) But I remember this went to a different place when I realised that my older brother, Darren refused to call Domino's when it was his turn. Yeah, and and we've talked about this later on, my brother and I. We've caught up and said, how crazy was that? But this went straight past laziness into fear. I remember talking to him and just asking him about the issue and him saying to me, it was so stupid. I knew that there was nothing to worry about, but I was afraid that if I called up, the person on the other end of the phone would judge me and make me feel dumb. So I just made sure that I never had to call up. That doesn't sound normal to me. That doesn't sound like that's something that we as human beings should worry about. 
making phone calls nowadays for me is just like, I'm a texter, but like, if I need to get something done, I just get on the phone and it gets done. I used to be afraid, and I, I know my brother and my sister used to be afraid as well. But we, we can't live in this place. We can't live in this place because fear can consume us, fear can control us, and fear can create a prison that we end up living in. But just to give you a bit of encouragement, I guess you'd say, is that even people in the Bible, some of the most well-known characters in the Bible, lived by fear. So if you're feeling a little bit like guilty or a little bit like, ah, oh, I've lived by fear. King David, who was called a man after God's own heart, lived in fear at some stage in his life. So we can pretty much say that it's kind of normal. If you have a fear, that's okay. Let's see how we can overcome that fear. Because when we overcome that fear, there is freedom. So before he was king, David had a king. And David's king was King Saul. Saul was threatened by David because he was actually prophesied to be the new king of Israel, actually taking over King Saul's place. So King Saul, I don't know about you, but if someone was like, ah, Reese, you're going to take Andrew's job. I would kick Reese out of the church. I'd be like, don't come back. I wouldn't do that. Like, I'm all about the generations. But the thing is, in this situation, Saul was so fearful or insecure that he actually wanted David to be killed. And so what we're going to do, like not hurt, not like embarrassed in front of people. No, killed. He wanted David to be killed out of the picture. So we're going to go into Samuel, 1 Samuel 21, 10 to 1 Samuel 22. I'm just going to read to you. Uh, and from here, we're, going to, we're actually going to take a few points that we can extrapolate upon. So David escaped from Saul and went to king of Ashish, Akish, Ashish of Gath. But the office of Ashish were unhappy about his being there. Isn't this David the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one the people honor with dances singing? Saul has killed thousands and David his ten thousands. David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Ashish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Did you know that King David, the one who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, was also the man who would scratch on the door and drool down his beard to avoid getting caught? That's, <laughs> it's, it's full on. Finally, King Ashish said to his men, Must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? So David left Gath and escaped to the Cape of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt, who were just discontented until David was the captain of 400 fearful men. 
Later, David went to Mizpeh in Moab, where he asked the king, Please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. So David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during the entire time David was living in his stronghold. One day, the prophet Gad told David, Leave the stronghold and return to the land of Judah. So David went to the forest of Hereth. The news of his arrival in Judah soon reached Saul. At the time, the king was sitting beneath the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah, holding a spear and surrounded by his officers. Listen here, you men of Benjamin, Saul shouted to his officers when he heard the news. Has that son of Jesse promised every one of you fields and vineyards? Has he promised to make all of you all generals and captains in his army? Is that why you have conspired against me? This is fear. Saul is living in fear. For not one of you told me when my, other, my own son made a solemn pact with the son of Jesse. His own son was Jonathan, who was David's best friend. You're not even sorry for me. Think of it. My own son encouraging him to kill me as he, he is trying to do this very day. Then Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing there with Saul's men, spoke up. When I was at Nob, he said, I saw the son of Jesse talking to the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub. Ahimelech consulted the Lord for him. Then he gave him food and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. King Saul immediately sent Ahimelech and all his family who served as priests at Nob. When they arrived, Saul shouted, Listen to me, you son of Ahitub. What is it, my king? Ahimelech asked. Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? Saul demanded. Why did you give him food and a sword? Why have you consulted God for him? Why have you encouraged him to kill me as he is trying to do this very day? I don't know about you, but those questions, they just seem paranoid, worried, full of anxiety. This is Saul. But Sir Ahimelech replied, Is anyone among all your servants as faithful as David, your son-in-law? Why he is the captain of your, why he is the captain of your bodyguard and a highly honoured member of your household? This was certainly not the first time I consulted God for him. May the king not accuse me and my family in this matter, for I knew nothing at all against any, of any plot against you. You will surely die, Ahimelech, along with your entire family. The king Saul shouted, and he ordered his bodyguards kill these priests of the Lord for. They are allies and conspirators with David. They knew that he, he was running away from me, but they didn't tell me. But Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priests. Then the king said to Doeg, you do it. <laughs> Doeg seems like a bit, of a bit of a rough one. So he turned on them and killed them that day. Eighty-five priests in all, still wearing their priestly garments. Then he went to Nob, the town of the priest, and killed the priest's families, men and women, children and babies, all the cattle, donkeys, sheep and goats. As full on. Only Abiatar, one of the sons of Ahimelech, escaped and fled to David. When he told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord, David exclaimed, I knew it. When I saw the Doeg, Doeg the Edomite there that day, I knew he was sure to tell Saul. Now I have caused the death of all your father's family. Stay here with me. Don't be afraid. I will protect you with my own life. For the same person wants to kill us both. That's a full-on story. It's a full-on story, but it gives us a clear picture. There's three things that I want to pull out of that to focus on. First thing is fear will cause us to fight, flight, or freeze. Who knows what they are? Who's a fighter? If they get in a moment of confrontation, who's flight? Who flights? He flies. 
He freezes. You know, they're pretty self-explanatory. If you, you're confronted with something that might cause you to be fearful, you either put the, the, the gloves up. If you're, if you're confronted with something fear, that might, might cause you fear, you just run away. Or like a turtle in a shell, you just withdraw. You know, there's different ways that we can respond to fear or confrontation. But in this story, David chose to fly. He chose flight. He chose to run away. And whatever your go-to response, there can actually be a recurring theme in our lives that sees us come face-to-face with conflict, external and internal. It can be internally as well. And react from a place of fear. David was a flight person. And the thing is, that might just be the gate to your personal prison. Just that way you initially react. Because the thing is about your fear, the way that we respond to fear, is there's only so long that we can live by that reaction before it actually catch us up. There's only so long that we can fly from something or freeze from something and actually it will come unwillingly to our front door for us to deal with as opposed to actually willingly be facing up to this fear, confrontation or conflict. So what your response is almost consolidates over time. And I know people who just avoid conflict now. I know people who just avoid anything that causes them pain. And you know what? I think that kind of opens you up to, or closes you off to a, a full life. But just exciting news here is that we can overcome fear. In God, we can overcome fear. We can go through something and not be identified as it. We can go through fear. So the second thing that we pick from this passage is that fear impacts what we do and how we act. King David started scratching a door and started drooling down his beard by choice. Have you ever scratched a door or drooled down your beard? If you're a lady, down your chin, unless you have a beard as a lady, by choice. Or have you done something almost like the knee-jerk reaction? It's like, oh my goodness. You know, the, the, other, uh, the other day a bird flew towards me. And when I was younger, I got swooped by a Maggie. And my first response was to hide behind a woman. You know, it's like, what is your, how is your fear causing you to react? Because fear, fear will drive you insane. Fear will cause you to do things you don't want to do, say things you don't want to say, lie to the ones that you love, because you're afraid of what might come if that catches up with you. And fear impacts those around us. You know, we have to look at it, and what David said is like, I've caused the death of your family. And even though in our own lives it might not be as dramatic that our fear causes someone's family to die, But fear, the principle is the same. Your fears will impact your children, they'll impact your friends, your partner, your organisation, your family, your colleagues. Proximity can be potent. Have you ever sat next to someone on a plane and they're like, I don't like flying. 
And you're like, I can tell. Because <laughs> I'm starting to get a little bit heebie-jeebie now as well. Fear can be, your proximity can be potent. It can emanate from you onto other people. Fear can impact those around us. Three ways that fear can cause, uh, fear, we pick from this story is that fear causes us to fight, flight, or freeze. It can impact what we do and how we act, and it can impact those around us. So what is the solution to this? How do we overcome these things? Well, first and foremost, I want to just uh, clarify something. Fear has a root. Fear will have a root. Like a plant has a root, fear will have a root. Whether it's you're afraid of dogs or you're afraid of getting bitten, afraid of getting hurt. You might be, the fruit might be, I don't want to get bitten by a dog, but I don't want to get hurt will be the root of that. So we have to look past what the fruit is and actually say, what is the root of this fear? What is actually, how far back can I go to actually say, that's where it started. So we want to look at the root, not the fruit. So starve fear. That's the first thing that we can do. Imagine you're at a dinner party. Who loves dinner parties? Imagine you're at a dinner party and your dinner guests are love, joy, peace, faith, anger, lust, shame, and fear. Many more people can come as well. But you're all sitting around this big old table. You're all sitting there and all of a sudden fear leans across a couple of people and taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, can you pass me the mashed potato? And then you say, hold up. If I choose to pass them the mashed potato, they will eat and they will be filled. Or two, if I choose not to pass them the mashed potato, eventually I will starve them to death. Don't feed fear. Starve it. If they... (laughs) It sounds mean. But if they ask you to pass you food, refuse to do it. Whenever this opportunity arises to starve fear, do it. It doesn't mean do, do nothing. It means, do, means that you don't let fear feast at your dinner table. Does this make sense? Don't let your guest be welcome at your table if it is fear. So the ways that we can do this is like call dominoes when you don't want to. Chat to your boss about that promotion. Get counselling for an issue in your past. Have that difficult conversation you've been avoiding. Or spend time with your friend's dog. Why? Because the opportunities are limitless. But when you feel that fear is feasting at your dinner table, you need to make a choice to stop giving them food. Don't feed your fear. Starve it. If you don't like horror movies, don't watch a horror movie. If you don't... Yeah, if, you, if you're afraid of, of something, don't feed it. Because what will happen is it, this fear will compound and compound. And like I was saying, it's not about just not doing it, but it's actually facing it and saying that I will not feed you anymore but I will overcome you. So starve fear to death. Turn to the person next to you and say, starve fear to death. And say death. Starve fear to death. 
good. Two, get more love in. There is no fear in love, it says in 1 John 4.18, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Imagine I have a massive tub of cordial right here. Like we'll go red cordial, so it's like raspberry cordial right here. The concentrate of that cordial represents fear. So often what we try and do is we try and scoop out the fear. Just try and scoop it out. If I just get scoop all the fear out of my life, if I just scoop it all out, when the time is right, I will bring more, I'll bring water in here. I'll fill it up with something else. But as we scoop fear out of our life, something happens during the week that causes us to be fearful and more red cordial, which represents fear, is poured into the tub. So how do we overcome our cordial slash fear problem? What you need is the perfect love that casts out fear because love is the antidote to fear. Whose love? God's love. So what do we do? We get the hose of the Holy Spirit. We pour the hose into the tub of cordial and we turn the hose on and we let God's love do its work. It's not about trying to say, I'm just not afraid of anything. It's actually, I am loved by the God Most High. I trust Him. I will stand upon His truths and His promises. And over time, what was fear will become love. What was red cordia will become pure water. And so instead of me trying to struggle, <laughs> struggle, so many people struggle. Instead of trying to struggle through these things, Work to the opposite way. Surrender and let the love of God in. Don't try and fight fear. Try and understand God's love more. You know, there's a time and a place, like I'll just say, there's a time and place for us to stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, fear you, bow your knee. But there's also a lifetime of us that has to say, I want to know your love more in my life. Because that love is my foundation upon which I stand. So don't focus on the fear. Because when you focus on the fear, you feed the fear. Focus on God's love. Don't focus on the fear that you might not get that job. Focus on the fact that God loves me so much that he has given me a job already. He has given me air in my lungs. Don't focus on the fear that we might not have that new member in our family. Focus on the fact that I am alive and that God's plans are faithful. That he will walk through this with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Don't focus on the fear that your money might run out. Focus on the truth that God even takes care of the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. How much more is he going to do for you? When we focus on the fear, we put fear on a pedestal. When we focus on God's love, we put the king of kings on the throne. Cast out fear. God's love casts out fear. And the final thing, how do we overcome fear? Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let me say this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Turn to the person next to you and say, Rejoice. rejoice. Say it like you mean it. Come on. Rejoice. Come on. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be in you. You know that your fear life is actually heavily linked to your prayer and your thought life. Your fear life can almost be a direct um, outlet or uh, indication of how healthy your prayer and your thought life is. Because when you create space and time to pray and meditate on the things of God, what you do is you remove space for fear. Prayer and meditation is a realignment with God's spirit. The more you dwell on earthly things, the more you reap the fruit of earthly things. The more you dwell on the heavenly things, the more you will reap the fruit of heavenly things. Guys, close your eyes. I'm just going to pray over you. And this morning I felt... I just felt as we, are, we have fears here today. No one is exempt from fear. But you know what? No one is exempt from the cross. The cross that shows the perfect love that casts out the fear in our lives. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you in your mind, in your heart, to lift up a certain fear or a fear that's been controlling you. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to be brave. And I want as many people who feel that that's them to do it. Because we're all dealing with something. And there's power in the collective. Because the faith of the collective carries those who are weak. Or those who are feeling tired. The power of the collective allows us to overcome. Guys, let's not live in fear any longer. And if this moment is just a moment to say, I'm going to put my hand up, I'm going to respond, almost like a, a screw you to the devil. Do it. I don't need your hands in the air, but you need it. You need to respond if you're feeling that this is your time. So if that's you on three, if you, if you have a fear that you want to name and shame in your mind and you want to overcome, on three, just pop your hand in the air. One, two, three. Come on, that's great. I see all those hands. Don't let today pass you by. Don't let this moment be a moment of the past. This is a moment right now. So in the name of Jesus, come on, get, get, get amongst this. In the name of Jesus, we declare that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Every fear 
Every chain, every bondage in the name of Jesus is broken by the love that was poured out on the cross. We say in the name of Jesus, remove your roots from our life. Get out of our life. We no longer acknowledge you. You are not welcome at our table. And we say that you will not live or rule in our life any longer. We declare that God's perfect love is casting out fear. So the Holy Spirit, I pray that you let every person know right now how loved they are. You are loved to the point that Jesus would die on a cross for you. Let that ruminate in your spirit. Right now, we just declare that any fear, fear of failure, that you are broken in the name of Jesus. Your grip is losing power and you have no place in our lives any longer. I pray against any fear of rejection where we're afraid to be rejected by those around us. We pray in the name of Jesus that we are accepted as we are. We are called by name. We're not we're not only called by name, but we are chased and pursued by the love of God. So all fear of rejection in the name of Jesus, we break your power. We say that you have no authority any longer. We pray against the fear of man. Well, we, we care too much about what others think about us. This fear that, that causes us to bend our knee just to fit in. In the name of Jesus, we say that we We have fitted in since the beginning of time when God created us. Come on. We don't have to fight for our place in the kingdom of heaven. But we are called by name into the kingdom of heaven. So we break that power that says that we have to do to be worthy. That our value is found in how much we can achieve. Your value is found in the cross. Come on. Your value is found in the cross. This, this one is similar, but it's a bit specific, but I feel like people don't feel like they're good enough. This fear of not measuring up. This fear that I don't actually deserve the things in my life. Can I tell you something? You're God's most treasured possession. He says it in his word. It's above the sky of the, all the beautiful stones and gems in the world, above the mountain peaks, the beautiful sweeping valleys. You are God's most precious, treasure possession. That means you're pretty, pretty damn good. So we just break off, in the name of Jesus, any fear that I am not good enough. Any fear that says that I will not measure up when the day comes to be measured. And this final one. Fear of being stuck. A fear of being stuck. That's the only way I can describe it. And this fear that this is all it's ever going to be. 
that's actually there's nothing more. The motivation and the passion has been drained, and it just feels like you're stuck in first gear, and you can't move forward. You can't move forward. Can I tell you that God carries those who can't walk, and He allows them to heal. He allows them to heal. And he doesn't just carry you for the rest of your life. He strengthens you and allows you to grow so you can carry others as well. Your life will be a ministry to others around you. You are not stuck. You are going through something. You are not stuck. Your identity is not set in stone. This is just a moment in time. You have a journey ahead of you. Don't believe the lie that this is all it will ever be. I prophesy over this room in the name of Jesus. I prophesy freedom. Come on. I prophesy freedom. I prophesy life. I prophesy the grace and the goodness of God. That his face shall shine upon us. Come on. I prophesy that this is just the beginning. I prophesy a new season. time to say goodbye to the things of the past. It's time to step in to this, this new season where the shackles have fallen off. And can I just tell you something quickly, it's like with all eyes shut. Your fear will be tested. It's called phantom fear. When you walk out of prison, you're just so used to being in prison that you start acting like you're still in prison. Come on people, let's act. Are we are set free. Let's make conscious decisions to act like we have no limitations, that we are not imprisoned, and that we have been set free.